All right, everyone. Welcome to the Industrial Marketer Podcast, the podcast for industrial marketers by industrial marketers in the manufacturing space. And I am one of your hosts, Matthew Shinella. And I am MJ Peters. And uh, MJ, why don't you uh, why don't you lead in with our guest today? Because uh, she has a very interesting background um, and seems like she's been very well traveled in her career. Yeah, today we're going to talk about how to create alignment with your sales team as a marketer, and our guest is Maya Foster. Maya has worked for British, German, and Japanese B2B organizations and has held senior marketing positions for 14 years, including being the highest ranking female in the world for a global manufacturer. She has directed international marketing strategy, managed international teams, and owned multi-million dollar budgets. She is currently a global director of marketing within Hexagon Manufacturing Intelligence and runs her own B2B marketing consultancy, Pattern Marketing Limited. Maya, say hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure to be part of this podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we want to get into some of your experience driving marketing and sales alignment at manufacturing companies. So to get us started here, I want to go back to the beginning. And can you just give me an idea of when in your career you first realized how important it is for marketers to get aligned with their sales team? Um, I think it, it started with my uh, true marketing manufacturing job. So um, the first time I, I started seeing uh, the gap between marketing and sales was uh, at the time in ZF. ZF is a, a big uh, manufacturing company that uh, uh, creates and, and manufactures uh, chassis and um, driveline and gearboxes for many uh, vehicles that we all drive around. And at that company, I, I've noticed the fact that um, sales was doing one thing and marketing was doing yet another. And uh, the touch points uh, were very, very far in between. And after a while of, of observing the organization, I realized that actually, in reality, we should be very much uh, working together and aligning. Um, and then I took it further to my uh, seven years uh, stunt in uh, Yamazaki Mazak, the um, machine tool manufacturer, where I actually started proactively working with the sales team to work on the alignment and, and getting that in line because um, I strongly believe that together sales and marketing are supporting each other, especially in driving at the revenue and, and bringing the business to the organization. I think that there is a lot of misunderstanding between the sales and marketing as in um, the needs and the requirements that each part of the business has. And by dialogue and, and trying to understand how, how people are working and what are their challenges and what they're trying to achieve is the best way to align and the best way to start working together towards a common goal. So let's talk about how you got started driving that sales and marketing alignment in your first role when you were in automotive. Once you realized that the sales team and the marketing team were kind of pulling in two different directions, what are some of the first steps you took to resolve some of those gaps? Well, as everything, I think it starts from a dialogue and it starts from, from a, a communication and uh, with uh, the sales team. 
there is a, a certain level of expectation that always comes when it comes to marketing, but I think the dynamic is wrong. So uh, very often you'll find that um, the sales team uh, would like the marketing team to be very reactive and act on the wishes and the needs that they have. And that was definitely the case in the dev rather than um, actually respecting the marketing team and respecting the marketing uh, knowledge and and the input that marketing can bring to the business and allowing by working together for a more proactive approach to um, business in general but marketing campaigns so what I what I decided to do is is having the dialogue with the different um, sales teams and uh, finding out what are their challenges, what they actually want to achieve, what are the KPIs that they are chasing, and then try to align marketing strategies to support that and to help achieving those goals. And the the most important thing for me, and that has been something that comes across my career, is, is turning the marketing teams from being reactive to being proactive, to actually delivering the added value to the company and to prove its, its value within the organization, rather than behave like a service within the organization. And when you initiate those dialogues with the sales team, what does it look like just tactically in terms of how long are the meetings? How do you get them started? What kinds of things do you ask about? What do you document? And then how do you take action? So I strongly believe in the approach on different levels. So you will have a different story from a sales director than you will have from the um, area sales manager. And I think in order to understand the real dynamic of sales, you actually have to talk to all levels. So you need to get the story and the information from from different parts of uh, the sales organization and understand what they actually are facing. So for me, it would be a series of meetings that would um, almost verify each other's points of view. So you will have one point of view from the sales um, leaders and, and have their quite often a high-level strategic type view and then talk uh, and have different meetings with with sales area managers and talk to them about more details on the grassroots type uh, conversation. I find the meetings with the grassroots people probably a little bit more um, informative and also depending on the organization how it's how it's actually set up it could be uh, divided geographically it could be divided by a product that they are selling it could be divided by industry they serve and every single of those aspects will have a little bit of a different approach and different challenges that they have to face so you will actually learn a lot about the business you're in by listening to these people and I think that that is the the one big thing about marketing we do sometimes have a tendency of thinking we know best but actually the best thing we can do is listen and and learn and adjust and make sure that our strategies are the ones that that fit with the organization goals and that support it and actually help it to go forward what are some of the things that when you're talking to these to the sales team especially on the ground level the more grassroots as you said um, what were some of the specific feedbacks that you find yourself getting from them? And then how are you turning that into um, proactive marketing? And you said before that marketing is being more reactive. So how would you intake that feedback and then, and then make marketing more proactive in its approach to their role? So 
to answer that question, I would have to probably um, describe a little bit of a scenario. So I'm sure anyone who works in marketing came across a shouting salesman who comes and says, I need this email campaign right now because I have customers interested in this and that, the other. And they have no understanding of what other plans you have in place if you communicated to these customers already. Um, is uh, the intensity of that communication maybe a little bit too much? All of that elements that fall into this, all all it is asking for is react to my demand now. And the difference between the reactive and the proactive, uh, in my mind, is that you actually sit with them at the beginning of whatever period it may be, so a year, a quarter, whatever is the, the, the time divided into, and you look and plan together Uh, what are the activities and the campaigns that you want to deliver in order to support those KPIs and to achieve the goals that the business has. And if you do that, then the chances are that those shouting salesmen will be far and few in between because you will deliver things that they've asked for and they will be delivering probably better results because you are better prepared because you you thought about the whole campaign from the beginning till the end and you, you made it more cohesive rather than uh, reacting quickly because somebody needs. Saying that, I do understand that there is always a, a case and a need that um, of something immediate. World around us is changing really quickly. We do as marketing have to react to it. But I think when you have a solid plan and those reactions are just add-ons to that plan rather than your actual marketing strategy, then you're onto a winner. So you started out in the automotive world, and then you moved over to Mazak, which is machining. And I would imagine that you were progressing through successively more senior roles. And I'm curious, can you tell us about some of those lessons you learned as you made your way through the ranks that help you be more effective at driving alignment with the sales team today? Sure. So um, I think the one one. Uh, theme that comes across my career, and I'm sure this is not unique to me in any way, is the fact that I am a woman in a very male-dominated world. So uh, that brings its own challenges, because um, I think many women will agree with that, and maybe men even too, is that when we get into an environment where men domination, we do need to prove ourselves, sometimes more than, than our peers of a male kind. So that has been something that I've been driving through. I needed to prove to people that what I'm saying is worth listening to and what I'm saying is going to drive some sort of results and it will uh, bring um, those results um, for something that is tangible, i.e. revenue. So um, I think the one thing that I always um, believe in, and I've mentioned it before, is, is listening. So listen to their needs and see what you can do in order to support it. And I'm not saying that we need to be completely dependent on what they want and do exactly what they want. What I'm saying is when you listen and you know what the needs are and what the challenges are, you can then use your knowledge and the techniques that are available to the marketing teams to serve it the best possible way. And dialogue that is not only once in a while, it has to be constant. It has to be something that, that is becoming a part of your, your company life and strategy that marketing and sales are, are closely need. And this dialogue continues throughout all the projects 
because as I said, things do change and strategies get adjusted and plans get adjusted and and we need to adjust with them. And we need to uh, be able as marketeers to know the direction in which things are moving and what's happening in order to respond in a, in a proper and uh, yeah suitable way. So for me, the most important thing is to keep that dialogue open, to buy in to the to the sales organization and to prove to them the value of real good marketing and how it can help. So um, for the beginning of, of my career, when I started to talk to sales, um, I did feel that there was a little bit of a, I don't know, animosity, maybe <laughs> something that uh, we didn't um, really believe each other in the way that we approach things. But you build those relationships. You build those relationships and those those connections by continuous cooperation and helping each other and proposing new ways and new ideas and delivering on the on the promises that you made. It's all about trust. I think, and that that goes for any any part of of um, business relationship. If if the two departments, people, parts of the business trust each other and support each other, then then you have a big chance for for a good success. I want to follow up on that question about trust because I know that that can be something that's very difficult um, to attain, especially for sales teams. And I, I've encountered this, uh, at the international company that I worked for, not so much in the U S but I've seen it in other countries where the sales team just flat out didn't believe in marketing and what they were doing. Um, so if you're a marketing leader, um, in that, in that situation where, you know, there's no trust, um, how do you go about building it? Is it more, is it more so like, the results will breed that trust, or is it is it more so in the action? Um, h- how would you get started, sort of repairing that, repairing that lack of trust between the two the, the the two verticals? I would say that the main thing to start with is to deliver on your promises. So if you say you're going to do something, do it and do it the, to the best of your ability. And if you um, tell the sales team that you will deliver a campaign and you will approach X amount of people and you will gonna deliver to them, uh, you know, a certain amount of qualified leads, then make sure that those leads are really qualified and and not just uh, contacts that uh, dropped into the mailbox somehow. Um, is it fair for you as a marketing leader? So- oh, sorry. Sorry. No, no, no. You 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 cut off for a second. I thought you were done speaking. I apologize. No, it's okay. Uh, I, I was I was gonna say as the um, as the marketing leader, is it fair for you to demand or to expect sales to be able to turn over what you qualify for them? And and where does the and how does how does the accountability work the other way? That is a very difficult one to to actually demand from sales. Um, I think that if you are in in the job of building trust, then you shouldn't demand or expect too much from the other side. It, it should be more of a give uh, kind of dynamic because you are getting them on board. And, you know, it's like that saying, if, they, if you build it, they will come. I, I believe that if you build that trust and you build that rapport that you actually know what you're talking about and, and you're delivering on what you promised, then they are more likely to come back and ask for more. 
And when that dynamic happens, when when the sales come back to marketing and say, okay, we want to do something and can you advise how to do it? This is when you when you when you know you won. Because if they ask for advice and the direction rather than tell you what you should do, this is when the table has turned. This is where you know that now you are respected. Um partner in the conversation rather than somebody who uh, yeah executes orders i totally agree with that and if you're a marketer listening to this and you have not gotten to that place yet uh, all the three people on this podcast can assure you that if you keep working at it you will get to that place where you're treated as an equal partner in the business yeah um Maya, one thing that really stands out about your career is your experience managing international marketing teams. Can you tell us about the first time you were in a position where you were managing an international team? Um, yeah, so, well, actually, that happened quite early. And, and um, that happened in my one of my first, very first uh, marketing jobs, but that was just a small team. The real big experience was at Mazak. Um, at Mazak, I had a, a team. I was responsible for the European uh, marketing organization for the for the company, and uh, there were thirteen subsidiaries there uh, all over Europe, and each of them obviously had uh, different members of the teams of different nationalities and even in the global team we had um, members who were from different countries than UK where where headquarters for Mazak are based in Europe. Uh, so that was my my first experience of not only managing such a varied international team, but also a remote team, team that was spread all over the continent and was in, in many different places. Um, that team was very versatile, not only from the point of view of cultural language and, and geography, but also from the level of their marketing expertise and uh, their marketing skill. So there were multi faucets to manage when it comes to that team. Yeah, how how do you go about managing that? I, I know that that was a that was a challenge in my time uh, at, at Benzel, where you would have different, like you said, different levels of, of, of skill within marketing. Also, even different products between countries because some were some products were made specifically for certain markets. I'm not sure if you encountered that working yeah. from Maybach um, in, in Europe, but how would how would you um, how would you deal with a, with a sort of market demand like that as well? So I start always whenever I get to um, meet my new team is with face-to-face meetings and i know nowadays it may be something that is actually quite difficult to achieve but uh, anytime i started working with a team i made a point of traveling to them and meeting with them and finding out who they are what they what they are um, interested in how their career is progressing what are the ambitions and what these people bring to the business and what these people contribute um I think that if you build that sort of relationship and open yourself a little bit as well as a person um, rather than just a, you know, marketing director, leader or whatever the the name might be, uh, then you start building a relationship that you can then lean on. So for me, uh, the important thing is, well, I, I actually kind of speak five languages um i do forget some of them because i don't use them very often but but when i get to places uh it it comes back so so i can adjust myself and try to speak to the uh, people in their own language 
that helps even if I make a mistake because they find it, uh, I think endearing is the right word. Um, even if you make mistakes, it's a bit funny and they see that you're making an effort and you're trying to communicate in their own language. We quickly switch back to English, but but the effort is there and, and the, the first step. And the other thing is, is uh, understanding the cultures and being interested in them. Like, you know, I every time I, I go um, visit somewhere that I haven't been before, I ask people to take me to a, um, a restaurant or, or serve me the food that is of the local area. So I show in that way my interest in what they do. I don't want the fish and chips as, as the British would <laughs> go for. I want to experience what they have in there. In that way, I, I think this is easier to, to come across as a human and as a person and somebody who is interested in, in who they are and where they're from. And then you can move on to business. And then you can start talking about work and you can start talking about the uh, challenges within the market. And of course, we all know that in different markets, you will have different challenges. Different markets have different dynamics. You know, in Italy, you, everything is based on, on close relationship between uh, the organization and, and the buyer. In Germany, not really. So, so you have to understand all those little things and, and talk to these people and find out what it is that is driving them and, and what are the elements of marketing that work in those areas because there is no such thing as one marketing for all. It has to be adjusted. It has to be localized to a point that it works for a particular market. So for me, working with those teams, building the personal relation and then building on that the professional relation for me, that works. I'm not saying this is how everyone should do it, but for me, it works. I have um, colleagues that have been friends now. I left companies, but I'm still in touch with these people. They are they are friends. They are still uh, talking to me, with me, visit me. And, and I think in that way, you, you have a little bit more than just a work relationship. I think that's a really important reminder of emphasizing some of those soft skills in management that some people tend to forget about. I count myself among the people who can be forgetful about that kind of thing. Um, and especially when managing international teams, I think that's a really, really good takeaway for people. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about one of the benefits of being tightly aligned with your sales team, which is that it enables you to take more risks because you've got that trust with the sales team. And Offline, you told me this story about a particular campaign where you made some bold choices with both the messaging and the imagery when you were trying to enter a new market. Can you take us through the details of that campaign? Sure. So um, we were introducing a new software into the UK market, software that uh, existed for almost 30 years in France and, and something that has been on the market for a long time and well known in that market, but not known in the UK market at all. Um, and uh, we wanted to make an impact and attack the competition within the market in the way that would be uh, very visible and quite uh, aggressive, you could say. So what we decided to do is for a software 
uh, normal marketing strategies you generally see imagery of machinery you have uh, screens and computers and, and software screenshots and and this is something that whenever you take a, a magazine for trade magazine or, or any kind of publication around the industry this is the sort of imagery that you would expect to see and this is a type of a traditional way of approaching the subjects so what we decided to do, because the um, software is allowing for creation of a digital twin, we created a campaign. Um, uh, the title of it was Life is Better with a Twin. And uh, the imagery was a baby, um, picture of a baby and a, and a digital twin of that baby. Controversial in a way that, first off, it was something that nobody expected in this type of trade magazines and, and in online because um, children in general are not really uh, pictured in, in our industry as such. Um, the fact that we are creating a digital twin um, and saying that life is better with a twin was was on its own a little controversial. And and it was something that, that we've uh, released to the market um, with a little bit of an apprehension. We didn't know how the reaction going to be and we didn't know what's going to happen. But I, I believe that you need to try things to find out if they are right or not. And we wanted to make an impact. We wanted to attack the market. The competitor within the area um, was uh, slightly failing at the time. We we seen a, a, a drop in their business and we knew the space is available and the market share is available. So we wanted to go in with an impact. And we did. We, we did that. Um, we launched that campaign in the beginning of this year. Uh, this was a progressive campaign. So the first image was was the babies, and the second image was uh, the grown ups. So there were two two men running. One was uh, the real picture, and the other one was the digital twin, which gave us a bit of space and length for the campaign to run, and also introduced the idea of progression and the idea of growing together and developing together. So I know one thing that uh, marketers are likely to complain about is that the sales team kind of has conservative or old school thinking. So in the context of this campaign where you were taking a risk and you even admitted that maybe there was a bit of apprehension, what was your sales team's reaction to your choice in imagery and messaging going into this new market? We were exactly split half and half. Half of the sales team loved it and was ready for it and was like, great, yes, we do need to disrupt the market and we got to go for it and it's brilliant. And the other half, as you say, was very conservative about it and traditionally looking, well, this is not right. People will think we are being silly. There were even a, a worries about people going to think we're trying to clone babies and, and things like that. But in, in reality, um, the idea of this campaign has been explained to the sales force so i made a point of, of having a meeting with them and explaining the, the the kind of thinking behind and and what is the purpose of it and why we want to do it and why we want to do it in such a shocking way we've run a test as well where we put um the design of the campaign into the uh, magazine's uh, page into a, an existing magazine gave it to the salespeople and asked them to flick through the magazine and see where they stop. And they stopped without fail on our babies just because of the fact that it was so different than the rest of, of the um, communication that was inside of the magazine. So 
I think they gave us the vote of confidence in a sense of we've explained why we want to do it. We we explained the risks and we explained the, the potential benefits. And we decided to to try to do this. And we had ultimately we had the sales um you know support and and they gone with it. Some of them with arms wide open, some of them with a little bit of a standing on a sideline and watching what's gonna happen. Ultimately, the campaign worked, so we convinced them uh, in time that it was wise and right thing to do. So you're clearly a big advocate of aligning your marketing team with your sales team, but there are still times even in your career where you have to break with the sales team and and sort of you can't please everyone. You're going to take it in the direction that you feel is right and it's aligned to what some of the sales team wants and maybe not the others. How do you know when it's okay to diverge from that alignment and take a risk versus when you should play it safe? I think we're all professionals. Um, I think if we as a marketing team give enough uh, explanation and we give enough information to the sales teams, then then if we have that trust and if we're working together, then, then there is no problem in giving us that vote of, of confidence, even if maybe a little bit apprehensive. Um, people don't like change in general, and, and this was a change, and it was maybe a short time because it's just a life of one campaign, but it is a change in a way of thinking and in a way of approaching marketing as such. So so this was something that we needed to, to give them all the facts and all the possible scenarios of how this may work. And, you know, it, it's always the case. Sometimes we don't agree on everything. But if we are willing to try and give it a go and see what happens, then we are that much wiser at the end of the of the campaign or at the end of the activity because we, we gathered some extra intelligence. If it works, then this is something that we may repeat and may do again. And if it doesn't work, well, then we learned that it doesn't work and we're not going to waste our time and effort on doing that again. So I think the most important thing is communication. Treat treat the um, team on the other side with respect and give them the information so they can have also a, a informed decision. I wouldn't say we, we kind of deviated from the alignment with the sales because um, ultimately we, we had to go ahead. It's just that some of them were maybe a little bit more concerned or conservative. So you said that ultimately the campaign paid off, even though it was a risk. And I'm just curious, can you go through some of the results? You know, how did you know that this risk paid off and that the campaign worked? Um, so I work very closely with my media partners. And the first indication of campaign working was uh, the results we got from the online uh, publications, where uh, we had a spike in the click-throughs. And, and we had uh, also, there was a, a heat pop study done by one of the of the publishers where they realized that there is more people staying and, and looking at our advert and actually reading it, uh, rather than just flicking pages as they as they gone on. 
And um, so that was that was the first thing when we got our um, media partners coming back to us saying this company is so cool and, and people like it and we can see results and look at your results on the click throughs and, and how it turns into leads and how much interest we had. The sales team uh, managed very effectively to introduce the product to the market and position it very uh, strongly against the competition. And actually, in the end, they did uh, gain uh, part of the market share and stood up. Uh, this is kind of a um, you know great position to be in because there is only two players in the market. So so you have a chance of getting quite a big chunk of the market. And in the time from from the point that we started from zero till the point that that we are right now, we are looking at around forty percent. So it's it's really a great uh, achievement. Now I cannot say that this is all down to marketing. Of course not. Um, sales team did a great job in in working um, towards. Uh, introducing the product and in this difficult times as we are right now you know kudos to them um, we worked hard on the campaign and on the sales enablement materials to support it but ultimately they um, drove it over the line if you like it was also clearly a, a good bit of strategic marketing work driving that decision because y- your your company obviously identified a, a great opportunity in that market with with the struggling competitor and and the team mobilized and and took control of that opportunity and you're delivering results so that's a great story yeah it was a good timing from all sides <laughs> Matt, we we always wrap up the episode with one question for our guests would you uh, like to get maya's take Oh, yeah, for sure. So what's one takeaway that you'd want to leave listeners with um, from your experience regarding marketing sales alignment? And even if you want to draw upon your uh, the babies campaign that you ran with. Yeah. with okay. Um, so in my opinion, the one important thing to take from from what I've said, I think, is that marketing should be part of the company strategy and it should work hand in hand with sales to drive the sales and the um, revenue strategies. These are the two parts of the business that should be joined at the hip. And we as marketeers need to work with the sales teams and help them to sometimes understand this and sometimes just, just realize how much extra we can deliver and how much benefit is there in good marketing. And the other thing uh, is that that would be coming back to the to the uh, babies campaign. I would say that the most important thing is to move forward, because if you stay in one place in marketing, then you're just walking backwards. And the most important thing is to try new things and experiment and be there in the market and make yourself visible, because that is the best way to go ahead uh, and get ahead of your competition of uh, sometimes other departments in in the business or in the organization where you have many marketing departments. It is the way to to deliver what is required from marketing. Awesome. Um, That's Maja Foster, who's the Global Marketing Services and Events Director at Hexagon Manufacturing Intelligence and also um, her own owner director for Pattern Marketing Limited. Maja, tell everyone how they can get in touch with you if they have any questions about um, just 
what you do or, or what, what you've been doing or any tips on marketing sales alignment or the like? Um, so the best way to get in touch with me is, is probably via email or by a contact page on my website. Uh, the website is www.patternmarketing.co.uk and the email is maya at pattern.co.uk. That has been an episode of the Industrial Marketer Podcast, the podcast for industrial marketers by industrial marketers. I am one of your hosts, MJ Peters. And I'm Adi Shinoa. Please find this episode and all of our episodes on Apple or Spotify. Please leave a review and please remember to subscribe. And with that, I thank you guys so much for listening and have a great rest of your day.